0: and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody is having a beautiful day. I hope that if you find yourself in a bit of a funk, you realize it's always dark before the light, and maybe there's some meaning in chaos. Maybe if you just take a time of quiet contemplation, you'll figure something out. That's what I like to do when I find myself feeling a little bit blue. I have the antidote, if you're feeling down, though, because I have Dr. Janice Campbell today. Dr. Janice Campbell, a licensed acupuncturist, Chinese herbalist, and somatic touch practitioner, possesses a unique superpower for recognizing the unspoken and transforming it into valuable asset skills and opportunities. Her multifaceted approach extends to in-person services, including acupuncture, herbal medicine, and somatic touch, with a specialty and stress trauma recovery, recovery, recovery. Janice's expertise is not confined to physical presence. She offers distance mind-body integration through guided somatic meditations, seasonal integration, and energy work, leaving a lasting impact on individuals and corporations worldwide. As an ordained officiate through open ministry, Dr. Campbell conducts ceremonies and celebrations for all rites of passage, including weddings, unweddings, funerals, and naming ceremonies. Her thoughtful approach and ability to navigate sensitive situations earned her praise and appreciation from clients across the globe. Beyond her therapeutic services, Dr. Janice is a distinguished entrepreneur, co-founder of Five Seasons Learning, a founding member of the Octopus Movement, and co founder of Acupuncture for Veterans in Maryland. She wears various hats, a namer and a tamer of Elephants in the Room, an old school B in the LGBTQIA community, a teacher of bridge builder cultural creative speaker, mom, partner, friend, writer, artist, musician, pluvophile, amateur, and lover of words, local file. Additionally, she proudly identifies as a recovering AEA stage manager, showcasing her diverse and dynamic contributions in the field she engages in. Dr. Janice, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. You seem to have covered it all. <laughs> so. Well, thanks for coming out today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> my work my work here is done. All right. Well, you know, we, we, you, you have an ability to see things without saying things. So maybe we could talk about like, let's just jump into that. Like, what does that even mean? Like seeing the unseeable and knowing the unknowable. Like, what does that come from?
1: Well, I, I mean, the reason I use the phrase, um, naming and taming the elephants in the room is because, um, half the time when I point something out, people go, oh, right. It's, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the. The old doctor joke, Doc, it hurts when I hit myself in the head with a board. Hmm, don't hit yourself in the head with a board. I mean, a lot of what I do, um, or as, as one person I know and love d- likes to describe it, my job is to point out the blatantly obvious. Um, and so a lot of that is pointing out the things that you might have noticed if you were three, but there have been layers of all sorts of other stuff and ignoring of things and whatever since then. And so I pointed out and you're like, wow, I had no idea. Hmm. Oh yeah, that, that would be easier, I'll do that. So it's, in some ways my job is really easy in that that I just sort of watch and go, hmm, I wonder if it would be easier if we did this. And And that applies whether or not I'm seeing my patients in person, um it with acupuncture and and all the, all my other bag of tricks or if i'm dealing with one of my online clients for a distance mind body integration session yeah. um a lot of that well a lot of that is uh i like to think of it as therapeutic improv it's it's listening to what is going on with the person and then in the moment creating a somatic guided meditation that allows them to actually move things um I'm just, and in a lot of cases, any anything that I'm doing um, is uh, making a make, making a suggestion based on all the things I've ever done or known or seen or heard or watched or observed, and that have seemed to have helped somebody else or that seem to fit with what's going on. And then they do all the work, even when I put the needles in. I'm then all the needles or the herbs or I are making is a you know a suggestion of hey, you remember when it was easier? Maybe you should do it that way, and and then the person does all the work. So in some ways, it's a whole lot simpler than my first career as a theatrical stage manager, where I was running around doing everything and getting everybody else to do everything else. And, and I get a lot more sleep now than I did in my first career. And people are much more likely to say thank you, which is also nice.
0: It's an interesting concept to unveil patterns of perception. You know, And a lot of times <laughs> when you when you are saying things that may seem obvious to you, but they don't seem obvious to the people that find themselves in that negative feedback loop or they find themselves in that destructive pattern. I once heard a great quote that was something along the lines of people don't go to therapy in order to to solve a trauma. They go there to become cognizant of a pattern. And, you know, they, they realize I'm stuck in this pattern. And if I don't seek help, I'm going to be stuck here forever. Right. You know, it, it, and it's you you had mentioned early on and when you just started, when you when you opened up that, you know, you point out the obvious. Like, what is it about these layers? And is it conditioning that happens to us? Is it us not, is us wanting to fit in? Like, what are these layers of conditioning well, that don't allow us I, to see the patterns? Well, a lot of the work that I do is helping people
1: return to being their whole selves in the way that they were when they were little. Mm. Um, if you, uh, well, here's here's an example. Um, we we get late. We get this is an example of how we let stories and ideas overlay actual experience. When my son was like two years old, he got croup, oh. and he walked and he walked into the room and he said, "I sound like a goose. Make it stop." And so we did all the things, you know. And I gave him stuff, and we stuck his head in the refrigerator, and it <laughs> went away. And you know what? Um that's actually true if you put a kid's head in the fr- if you open the freezer and let him breathe the cold air sometimes it will stop the croup anyway um, and about a year later he and since then he'd learned what croup was and you know whatever and other people had talked about it in his play group and whatever so a year later he's a little little over 3 and he gets croup again and he flips out and, and i'm like you just sound like a goose we just have to do the thing we did last year, remember? Um, but he had gotten all these stories about it being bad and scary and all this other stuff from all these other people that suddenly he was reacting to the stories that he had about it as opposed to the fact that he sounded like a goose and he wanted it to quit. And so we're pretty much doing that. all. So, so we kind of, we 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 know the deal when we're little, as long as, you know, as long as we're healthy, we're in a safe environment, you know. We come in with a set of understandings that, you know, we're, we're connected to everything and everybody, and this is how life rolls. And then as we get older, we start ignoring what our bodies tell us. We start ignoring our, um, you know, what we're eating. We'll eat stuff that we don't, we don't like, we'll drink things we don't like, we'll skip meals, we'll put ourselves in situations that make us uncomfortable we'll buy into other people's definitions of us you know and it just it builds and builds and builds and then we start to instead of having that smooth flow of chi of or smooth flow of energy of a a little kid we'll start to clunk rather than roll and then so a lot of it is you know just saying remember when why why don't we get you back to doing this thing you know you're actually one of my favorite things to say to say to anybody that well anybody really is you're a grown-up you can eat dessert first
0: <laughs> I,
1: I have a I have a good friend who's married to a guy from Merida Mexico and he um when he's out to dinner he always orders his dessert first so he can see how big it is so he knows how much other food to order and whenever a wait staff person looks at him funny he says it is my culture and his wife, who's American, says it is not your culture. I lived in Merida for a year. Nobody does this but you. And he looks at her. and He goes, "It is my culture." <laughs> um, but that same idea of you know, smooth, getting back to a smooth flow that we're all capable of, we just forget.
0: What do you th- do? You think that that also speaks to our relationship with uncertainty?
1: It can. Um, it can, and it depends on what uncertainty you're met with in your life. Hmm. Um, some uncertainty is a "ooh, what next," and some uncertainty <laughs> is uh, "what next," <laughs> you know. Um, and and so, how we deal with that, and how we learn to move with that and roll with not knowing everything, or not, you know, and how how strongly we feel the need to be prepared, and all of those things. Absolutely. Start to affect the, the stories that we tell and the way that we carry them in our bodies. Um, and, you know, that's that, that uncertainty can play out in bravery. It can play out in fear. It can play out in being frozen. I mean, all of the trauma spa- responses are from uncertainty, right? I don't know how to respond to this. And, and so being able to complete some of those impulses and or being able to, to not just rewrite the story from a mental standpoint or an emotional standpoint, but also thanking our bodies for going into that fight or flight. But, you know, we don't need it anymore. Mm -hmm. We can, we we can let, we can, we can let that. You're good at, you're good at that. You'll do it again if I need you to, but we don't need to do that right now. Um, I think that definitely plays into it. But I also think every, I mean, but to some degree, also everything else plays into it. Sure. You know, whether or not, you know, how easily we feel loved, how easily feel like we, we belong, mm. how easily our creative ideas are accepted, how, you know, how easily the way we physically move in the world is accepted. I mean, you know, all those things will play into um, what stories we would, you know, unless unless there's a conscious effort. Well, I don't know. Some people actually probably just pull it off without there being a conscious effort, but. Um, and for some of us, unless there's a conscious effort towards, how do I make this big enough to live in? This is too tight. How do I how do I draw a bigger, big enough circle that that I can breathe in here? Um, then we get trapped, and we don't even know we're trapped, and we think it's the way it is, and it's not. It's it's like um, what one of my dear mentors and the one of the founders of the school, the acupuncture school that I went to. Bob Duggan used to say. Um, The, you know, you can fall in love and we, well, you can fall in love and stump your toe and your response is, I have a toe. Isn't that great? You know, or you can be going about your everyday life and stump your toe and you gripe about it all day long and you get mad at the thing you tripped Mm -hmm. on and you tell everybody for sympathy as much as you possibly, it doesn't change the fact that you have a toe. Right. And so all of that play, you know, D all of the above,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting the perspective of the foundational myths through which we live. You know, when I think about perspective and mythology, I think about my life, and I, I think about sometimes I'm playing the role of the main character, and sometimes I'm playing the role of like a supporting character. But if people can do that, like that's a that's a cool little hack that I found for people listening or watching the show is. Who are you playing in the story you're telling? Are you playing the main character? Or are you an observer? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you can switch back and forth, but it really helps you change the perspective of what's happening in your life. It's it's interesting to think about the idea of of foundational myths, stories we tell ourselves, and the way it plays out in our lives. You know, by on the topic of navigating the unspoken. In your work you acknowledge the unspoken and transform it into assets. Can you share a profound instance where recognizing the unspoken <laughs> led to a significant positive transformation in an individual or a group? Well, I do want to just add one thing. Yeah, of course. You can you can be a you can be a supporting
1: role, you can be a um lead role, but you can also it can also be a company cast. It can also be a story about a group of people. I like that. And and so
0: then it's then you're not, you know, that's a different story altogether. Or an author. You could be the author. Sometimes I like to play with that that, idea too. That's kind of an even better one because then you have control. But sometimes it's good to play all the positions and then come back to Mm -hmm. the author, right? Right. Or as, as,
1: um, the Xanders, I've forgotten their first names. It's a husband and wife team. They wrote a book called the art of the art of possibility. And as they say, one of their things is, um, what if it's, not, what if you're not a, what if you're not a piece in the game? What if you're the board?
0: Oh, I like that. What, what if you're that, the
1: board? Yeah. What, do you, what if you're the board and how does the how, how did that piece end up on, on, on the board since you're the board? How mm. did you let that in? Or how did you, how did you give it that kind of, you know, space? Anyway, that's no, not I, the answer. That's well, not let, your question,
0: but that's I, okay. Let's, let's think about that for a minute. I've never really heard that aspect before. If you are the board, then what kind of question does that bring up? Does that does that bring up the question of who are you allowing to play, or um, no? Well, I mean the
1: example that they give, and of course it's been a minute since I've read the book, so apologies <laughs> if I don't do this right. Um, the the example that they give is um, a woman who's waiting at a red light in her car, and somebody slams into her in the back, and um, so when she's the victim, then she's outraged, Mm. you know, when she's concerned about the um, person driving and if they're okay, because why would they do that? Then she's some, somehow anything that might need to be tended in her isn't, isn't taken care of Um, when she's the board. It's, I have to accept that anybody getting into a car is, is there's a percentage of risk in driving a car anywhere. Mm. Um, even if it's, you know, in a parking lot by yourself. Um, and so part of that is I got in the car (laughs) to drive. And part of that is, um, I can tell the story in multiple ways. I'm lucky that I just got bumped and I have good car insurance and my things are now taken care of. What are their things? You know, I, it takes the element of, um, personal, um, it it takes blame and the, and the, and the either, or, or the S and them conversation out of it. I like that. When it becomes, what's the whole picture of this, right? It's like years ago when I was in undergrad, I were actually, after I was in undergrad, I lived in London for a year and the guardian did this great television ad where first you see this guy running and run into this woman and knock her down. And then they pull the camera back and you see him run into her and get caught and grab her purse and keep running. And then they pull back even further and you see them running and grab her purse, turn around, grab her and pull her out of the way because a piano is (laughs) falling. And so it's like, which are you looking at the whole story? Are you seeing the piano fall and realizing that, yes, all these other things happened? in this context or are you looking at, you know, he's stealing her purse. What a jerk. You know, so there's that. Apparently my lighting is deciding to change randomly. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's, I mean, that's the way I think about it anyway. You can go yeah. read the book. I may, they, they, they have many more profound things to say. Um, I, in fact, I like to reread it every several years and I just haven't, I'm not, it's not in my loop at the moment. Um, But it does give perspective on, you know, on the storyline, so to speak.
0: That's a great way, great way to see it. And that's a beautiful picture that they've painted because that, if you just take a moment to realize all those different things, then it can really change the way, not only your perspective, but it can change the way you act accordingly. Right. Mm -hmm. or The words you say, the story you tell, everything about it.
1: Well, and it comes down to even just small interactions. Yeah. Like um, one of the teaching stories I use in my practice is, you know, when people come in complaining about their coworkers, I'm like, so, okay, somebody walks into your office and they drop a folder on your desk and they go and they turn around and walk out. You could tell the story that they hate you you could tell the story that they think your work is crap you could tell the story that they've started to say something and then they didn't you could just as easily tell the story that their stomach hurts or they haven't eaten and their blood sugar's crashing and they don't think they can be coherent if they open their mouth right now you can tell the story that somebody out in the hall really offended them and they're trying to process that and they just want to get you the folder i mean you can tell a thousand stories about what happened and you can, and none of those things you don't know if any of those things are relevant unless you ask because all you actually have is they came into your office, dropped the thing on your desk and went, and then walked out. That's all you've got. That's all the information you have. And so to be able to understand what's going on, even if they lie to you when when they answer the question, you still only have that information and making up what they're thinking is that's never going to end well, even if you're right, it's never going to end well, right. because because it, it takes agency away from everybody and it, and it twists the interaction in a way. And really, honestly, why do yeah. you care if they made that face at you just move on with your life? You know, you've know, you got other things to worry about. Um, and if you do have an issue with this person or you're worried about what they think about you, that's a conversation for another day. It's, you got the folder you needed who
0: cares (laughs) yeah meaning i you know it's it's you can't control what happens to you but you and you alone can control the meaning of that event we should be careful Mm -hmm. with that right Mm
1: -hmm. yeah well it also can be fun it can be fun to retell the story to to change into a way that because it's it's in opening up those stories or in this in the Scenarios where I'm naming the elephant in the room, it's so clear to watch the shift, either in me or in the person that I'm talking to. That when the room opens up, when the story gets bigger, when there's more, the circle is bigger and there's more, their whole body changes. And soon, then my question is, what happened? What changed? What, what, how is your body different now that you, cause that just shifted? What happened? Mm. I saw you, I saw you take a bigger breath. I saw you lean back in your chair, your right shoulder dropped. What did you experience? What happened in there? Because if you can figure out what happens in there without words, then you can lay breadcrumbs to get back there when you start feeling that shoulder go back up and you start feeling yeah, you're like, oh no, wait, I know what that felt like. This is what this feels like. And if you look talk to I mean, if you look at small children or babies, um, their whole body is hungry, their whole body is angry, their whole body is happy, their whole body is sick. It is a full, you know, complete deal all the time. And that's still true of us, but we have evolved in, particularly in Western culture, to believe that, you know, everything from here down is here to carry our head and our hands around. And... When in fact studies have shown that when you're happy, the chemical makeup of your toes changes, and so you're still responding to the world full body. You just don't know it, and when or you're not acknowledging it, and and so we start off with that full body um, response and engagement, and then people start giving us words for it. Oh, were you a happy baby? Oh, does that hurt? Is that painful? Oh, are you mad about something? I mean, you start getting words. And that's why people who are raised in households, like abusive households or, or over controlling or domineering or micromanaging spaces get weird definitions for things like love or safety or responsibility or any number of other words. And then they carry those definitions with them, but their body's still having the same response it did before it had a word. And then on top of that, it's layering the response to the word on top of it, which if they line up and are congruous, it's the same response. But Mm -hmm. if they're not, they start to have this response and then they shut it up because that word says don't do that. That word says that's not happy. That's not who you are. That's not whatever. And so, yeah, anyway, I could rattle on about all sorts of things. It's
0: fascinating. It's it's like the body keeps the score. Right. That's a pretty good book that Mm -hmm. talks about what's really happening. I, but mm-hmm. I love the idea about labels. It's interesting that labels have so much authority over the way in which we interact with our environment. Like that's kind of, I guess that's why they call it spells or magic. Like in some ways you're casting a linguistic spell on someone yeah. to make them see things from a certain point of view. <laughs> well, and, and And look at the different, look at the different language.
1: I mean, different languages have different numbers of words to describe yeah. different experiences. Yeah. And how does that affect how the culture moves or how this culture sees something? It's really interesting to me. I'm not, I, you know, one of my many alternate lives that I, sh- you know, should have veered off into <laughs> when I was, you know, younger is, is studying languages and studying how they culturally affect what, how people respond to, to things, given the, given the way the language describes certain things. You know, cause something, some, yeah. some languages, some languages have like one word for something where another language has 15 and yep. it's a different, different experience altogether.
0: Yeah. You know, what does it mean when, you know, some cultures have their number system is like one, two, three, many, that table has mm-hmm. many legs, you know, or, right. you know, that table has three short legs and four tall, like all of a sudden the yeah. way in which you describe your environment has radical implications for the way you interact in it. It's kind of mesmerizing. Exactly.
1: exactly. Exactly. I could I could run with that for days. I love that kind of stuff. Me too. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So how, so do you think that that plays into naming and unnaming or naming and taming things is that same sort of curiosity that you have with language? Yeah. Oh, completely. Well, mm-hmm. language and also just
1: Okay, well, I'm originally from the south, which the south the southeastern part of America, and of course, you won't. I like to say you won't hear it unless I'm tired, drunk, or angry, or some combination thereof. But it shows up in words like Thanksgiving or insurance. Sure. Um, but um, so, story is the way that we that we interact with people. We we tell we tell people stories about ourselves. We tell people stories about other people. We tell people stories about yeah. our families. Um. And, and so you collect them, you collect, and when you collect, you know, when you make a friend, you're collecting them and their stories to some degree. And then I went into, then I went into theater for 15 years, which is nothing but storytelling. Right. right? And, um, and then I moved into acupuncture, which oddly enough is still storytelling. And so, and, and then, and the distance mind body integration work is even more storytelling. And so, I mean, you know, it's sort of the way I do things, but, and, and I that same mentor that I mentioned, Bob Duggan, is probably rolling over in his grave because he's always like, <laughs> don't, don't. He was like, stick with the phenomena. Look at the phenomena. Don't look at the story, mm. which I agree with, too. It's the thing about the folder and the coworker, right? The phenomena right. is they drop it on your desk. The story is the thing you make up. And humans being prone to stories, I'm all about helping people draw, you know, tell bigger, right. bigger, juicier ones. yeah um, And where was I going with this? I've wandered far afield. Um, uh, so I don't know. I've lost where I was, but there you go. There's
0: that. Well, I think it speaks volumes of, of what we do in this world, especially when it comes to, to mental health or helping people or even science for that matter. Science mm-hmm. is a way in which we tell stories in which we measure certain parts of the story. Oh, well, right. let's, let's get rid of this stuff. I'm only going to tell you about what we can measure. Even though right. there's tons of variables in which we can't measure, I'm going to pretend those don't exist. And right. I'll tell you this other story, why you're sick. You know why you're sick? Because you're eating these foods. You know why you're sick? Because right. you don't do that. But maybe there's a whole other segment to that story that no one's talking about. and It's interesting how we decide to give up our, our – it's interesting how we, how we – allow ourselves to be part of someone else's storytelling. Like we actually pay people to tell us a story so we can feel good about ourselves so we can get help mm-hmm. or help us get out of our own story, you know? And, and well, think, yeah. It's, it's also how we carry information though. Yes.
1: And, and we can only, and we can only tell part of the story ever. Right. And, and so with, when it comes to science, which I'm also fascinated with, it's, it's telling a snapshot of just that piece that we get right. now. Right. Um, it's like the, the people studying DNA and for a long time, people are like, yeah, there's all this junk DNA that's just like junk. filler.
0: It's like, only, you know, it's like, ACTG. that's all we need. Right. right. It's, it's, it's like,
1: it's like, it's like bubble wrap in the, in the, you know, or, or shredded cardboard. Yeah. Um, and when in fact, you know, it's not working if the, if that, <laughs> it doesn't work if all that stuff's not there. Right. Yeah. And, but we, they could only tell that story. They'd only figured out that part of the story, and that's why mm-hmm. science keeps evolving. Because it's not that they were wrong; it's they only had that piece of the story, and then they discovered it's it's the it's the the Guardian television ad all over again. You yeah. know, it's here's this piece of the story. No, wait, no, 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 wait. It's actually this, and then you know, who knows? Years later, it'll be like actually, it's this. <laughs> so
0: yeah.
1: So so I you know I, what my my concern is when people get stuck in the story that's this big or even the one that's this big even the one that's this big and don't realize (laughs) that there's Mm -hmm. it just keeps going you know and and so finding the one that people can move move easily with move emotionally physically mentally culturally societally in their family with their dog (laughs) with you know um that's what I care about because it's all about, it's all about creating that smooth flow that we, we all, we all got a glimpse of when we were little, you know, when you're little and you're playing half an hour can last four years. Yeah. If you're deep in whatever you're doing. Yeah. And then as we get older, half an hour lasts, what, 15 seconds, you know, depending on what you're trying to get done.
0: Yeah.
1: And that elasticity of presence and time also as like part of what is also part of what helps draw the bigger story if you're willing to go into it and see I mean why not life is too short not to be having a good time why not be curious about all this stuff and curious about how to make it easier you know
0: I do and I, I think that that's a great place for people to start if they find themselves you know, in a in a bad spot because of health or because of a mental problem or because of a circumstance you can't control is there's all kinds of myths around time and you as an individual you get to make up your own idea of time you know and, and and if you can change time and if you don't believe me people do this exercise i mean maybe maybe don't do it but at least at least listen to it when you find yourself at a red light sometimes that red light lasts forever but if you pick up your phone that light'll change like that You know what I mean? Like you probably shouldn't do that in traffic, but that's just an idea of how you can change time. You know, there's different kinds of time. There's what Mircea Eliab talks about, sacred time. And if you've ever been married, I've been married. So you and I have shared this time together. Even though we weren't in the same spot, both you and I can close our eyes and understand what that time was like, a time when someone's born. Like we share these times. But it's all these stories we have around time that allow us to close in and sometimes make us sick. Cause if you look at depression, it's being trapped in the past or anxiety is being trapped in the future. So our relationship with time is, is one factor that can make us sick. Right? Absolutely. And lots of times that's, that's
1: the thing that needs to shift for everything else to correct. Um, and that's not saying, you know, that things don't happen or get lodged in the body in such a way that it becomes an actual concrete thing that you've got to do something about. Um, That's true too. I mean, people are in disfiguring or in car accidents that that disfigured them in some way. It's going to change how they emotionally and mentally move in the world and vice versa. Everybody knows or has heard of somebody who's worried themselves into a stomach ulcer. You still have to do something about the stomach ulcer. And let's also address the worry because you don't want another one. Yeah. It's funny that you talk about different types of time because (laughs) when I, between being a stage manager and deciding to go to acupuncture school, I took a year and I worked as a television production coordinator. And at that point, when I was a stage manager, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, six days a week. Ooh. So I got this job as a television production manager, which was 40 hours a week. They let me out when the sun was still shining and I had two, day, two days off in a row. And so I was doing everything I could think of. I was rewiring my attic and landscaping my yard and refinishing <laughs> furniture and God knows what else. Mm-hmm. And I would take the bus downtown the time we were living in Minneapolis and I'd take the bus downtown and I was reading this book called Einstein's Dreams and the um, author has escaped me at the moment, um, little book, but it goes through, each chapter goes through describing all the ideas he had about time and how it worked before he got to E equals MC squared. And so, for, because I found this job so unadvent uneventful, <laughs> It was a lot of details and right. and but it was uneventful and it was forty hours a week so it was like part time as far as I was concerned at that point in my life. Um, I would read one chapter on the way down on the bus and then I would spend all day pretending time worked that way. Ah, <laughs> that's so awesome! It was hilarious, <laughs> um, but um, anyway, that just made me think of that when I when you mentioned the different types of time. Because you can, you know, I mean, what else was Einstein doing but lay around on the laying around on a couch, thinking about, hmm, I wonder, what if it does it this? What if it does that? If-
0: yeah, <laughs> it's a anyway. it's an interesting concept too. To to think about time, and I guess that, what role do you think time plays in, like ceremonies and art like we, we've talked about ceremonies mm-hmm. like weddings and stuff like that like that definitely plays with time but what about art is there a relationship between art and time oh sure i mean <laughs> there are things that
1: i mean we oh there's so many places we could go with this um i mean there are things that are relevatory when they you know when they happen right and then later are not <laughs>
0: yeah. um,
1: I have, I have a I have a soon to be 18 year old son who you know I'm like you wouldn't believe when this happened was, <laughs> they'd be like yeah mom whatever that's decades <laughs> old what 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 does the world even look like without that in it what are you talking about yeah. um and um so from that standpoint I think that's true um and also there's uh, some people can get caught up in the idea that the amount of time it takes to create something
0: mm.
1: a- speaks to its value. And that's, for me, that's not the definition of art. For me, that's, who cares? <laughs> Some, I mean, that's why, that's why a brilliant improv artist is equally as talented in a different medium than, you know, a Shakespearean actor. You know, one of it takes completely different sets of sets sets of time and training and impulse and whatever to to do both of those things. And yet they're both getting up and entertaining people.
0: What about between like an improv actor and a cathedral? Both performances can be monumental and last a long time. But Mm -hmm. that's an interesting sort of way to look at different types of art if you look at a cathedral that took generations to build and then you see this Mm -hmm. final monument you're like wow everybody portrayed in that but similar to a cast of people that help each other in a beautiful play right and in some ways it's synonymous
1: yeah in some ways and it also depends on how well i think time also impacts art in the way that it echoes
0: and what i and what
1: i mean by that is Who knows what buildings were built that don't exist anymore that we can't see, right? You know that had a huge, amazing, earth-shaking impact on the people that were alive at the time while it was there, but then as it Mm -hmm. got destroyed by a flood or you know whatever, then its echo disappears. Hmm. Um, in the same way, you know, and and the same thing with a piece of with if we're going to still talk about plays. You know, they're they're plays that that were performed in some tiny little space in you know in the 18th century that only a handful of people saw, but they talked about for the rest of their life. You know, and but they didn't. But they didn't echo. They didn't. They didn't carry forward in a way beyond maybe a family story about something that then morphed into something else that morphed into something else. And nobody knows it was a play. Some people think yeah. it actually happened to somebody in their family, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's also part of it is how, and, and does it have to echo, you yeah. know, are there things that um, there's a lot of performance art that it happens then and it's gone. Yeah. And if you, if you weren't there, you missed it. And that's the way it is. And so I'm, I mean, time is malleable in some ways when it comes, well, time's malleable in general, but when we're in this talking on the subject of art, it's, you know, it, it stretches and bends just like it, you know, just like stories and life and whatnot do. I mean, music performed and, you know, uh, Split, you know, or like a jazz, like like for example, I went to a friend's house uh, a couple months ago, and we all sat out sat out in his backyard and played music, and we did some great stuff, and it was gone. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: nobody recorded it. None of us, you know, some of us remember exactly what we started with or what what key we were in, and that was about it. <laughs> you know, but it was great, and that's you know, and now it's gone. But it's it's gone as far as its whole piece, but it's not yeah. gone as far as what that did for me. So I, I, it's too snaky to talk about. It's too, too many, bur- too yeah. many, too many, uh, war- like a uh, rabbit Warren, you know, there's too many rabbit holes to follow down when, it, when you're when talking about that kind of thing.
0: It's slippery. It's hard to hold on to. Like you can grab it for a moment and then just, right. it's gone, but that's, well, that's what back- makes it so beautiful.
1: Well, and it's back to not being able to tell the whole story.
0: Right. right. We can yeah, only so- talk
1: about that spot.
0: Yeah, I think that's necessary though. In order for someone to come along and pick up the story, you know, it's almost like those old school choose your own adventure books. Like once you've read Mm -hmm. them a few times, like "Ah, I'm not gonna read it anymore. But you know, you can begin telling the story, or anytime you repeat a story, you change it a little bit. You know, I I think that, that that slippery sort of. That slippery essence to it is necessary in order for people to build the next part of the story. You know, the, the character has to become the mentor at some point in time and give give rise right. to the next hero's journey. <laughs>
1: right. Right. Well, and but people also are doing the same thing, right? What is yeah. it like every every seven days all your electrons have changed? And so yeah. so what if we allow ourselves and our fellow Humans or any other living, breathing thing um, allow that to be that elastic. What if we What if we acknowledge that? I mean, like I like to say when talking about the work I do with acupuncture is you mm-hmm. know the medicine is so deep and so wide, and each individual is so deep and so wide. And every time I see them, they are different than the last time I saw them, and they are different five minutes from now. My life, I will never be bored. And and what if what if you know with the people we live with, <laughs> we let them be a, that elastic. Yeah. We let them be that that constantly changing, making sure that we make make you know checking in to make sure that that part of the story is still there. You know, <laughs> like my son with butternut squash soup. You know he when we we used to make curried butternut squash soup when he was little and he loved it. He's like, I have never liked butternut squash yeah. soup, Mom. You know, and I'm like, okay, so that part of the story's not there anymore. No more yeah. butternut squash soup for you. We'll eat the rest of it. You don't get it. Um, but you know something as simple as that, or something as you know profound as someone's, you know gender identification or religious beliefs or political stance or, you know, whatever it is. Again, only part of the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it blows my mind to think about us having the power to change or model reality just by changing our story. Like you can, you can change the way you see the world by changing the underlying beliefs by which you live your life. And, isn't that interesting for the people around us? When we decide to do that, it changes our mm-hmm. relationship with everybody. Sometimes it can lead to divorce. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can lead to you being kicked out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, just for changing or, a thing. Or sometimes it can lead to a
1: relationship suddenly being much more vibrant than it, you know back. You well know, said. That it's you know it's it's not it's it's not always a well and yeah it's not always necessarily a perceived loss. Right. It might actually be the thing that was missing that you were waiting to show up. And if you change, it, it, it's another another thing I use a lot in the treatment room is, you know, every relationship is a tug of war
0: mm.
1: and you can change your end of the rope. But you have no control over what somebody's going to do with that <laughs> on the other end. You know, they can chase you with the rope. They can sit down and cry. They can find somebody else to play with. They can, I mean, there's a thousand things they can do with that rope. They can let go of the rope too and go do something else. Yeah. But your end of the rope will have changed. And so therefore their end of the rope will change.
0: Is there a form of integration like in, in acupuncture or what you do it? You know, when I speak to a lot of people in the psychedelic space or people that work with altered states of consciousness or talk therapy or you know, whatever it is when it comes mm-hmm. to that, there seems to be a point of like integration. And I'm wondering, is there something similar in in the role that you're playing? Say a little bit more. So let's say that someone sits down for like a therapy session. One one thing that a therapist may do is just reflect stuff back to them. Like, oh, so what? So you think that this is happening? Or can you give me a metaphor for that? And they'll allow the person to come up with their own answers. Sometimes people will try to get it out of them, you know, or sometimes people will, will say, it sounds to me like, that sounds like fear to me. You know, I'm wondering, is there is there a sort of integration process after the acupuncture or in oh. there? I'm always going back to what do you,
1: how do you feel in your body? I see. Whether it's in my, my acupuncture work or my distance mind-body right. integration work, it's always about where do you feel it in your body mm. and how do we move it? Or how do we keep that? Like mm. one, one thing I'll often say when people have a positive shift in their body, I'm like, okay, now your job is to, if you, if you your, your mission should you choose to accept it is what I usually say. <laughs>
0: mission um,
1: to exactly (laughs) is to is to is to take really careful internal notes and observations about what this feels like so when you start to wander away from it you can get yourself back or you can Mm. practice trying to get yourself back to it um because you did that i didn't do that yeah i we just made some suggestions and Mm. you did that and so empowering people to realize that they can move it um It's it's like when we we first moved to Minnesota when I was um, and I just started stage managing and um, I can't remember if somebody told me or if I figured it out I can't remember or I'd read somewhere that you know when you get cold you you tend to tense your middle to try and pull everything in Mm. right because it's okay if you lose your fingers and toes but you want your internal organs to Mm. to stay intact. and I realized that if I relaxed my middle, my fingers wouldn't get cold. Hmm. And and so I practiced relaxing my middle. And it became and so it becomes a thing that when I first go outside when it's cold, the inside of me will, you know, clench like every like the reaction everybody or a lot of people have. And then I'll intentionally let go of that holding. And trust that my body's going to keep my internal organs it, it has it has priorities <laughs> it's going to yeah. keep my internal organs warm but it also will not cut off everything to my extremities in the same way
0: it sounds like a great way to not only preempt the preempt the cold weather but also a great way to have an open conversation because when you tighten up like that all of a sudden mm-hmm. you have all these blocks you have all these reasons you have all these reasons why you can't do it yep. and it You know your party's afraid, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and when you come back to the whole conversation about fear and yeah, and not knowing things and Mm. uncertainty, being able and as long as it's not a threatening situation, right? Which in some respects is, you know, a lot of things when you're being threatened. Yeah, you're not sitting in a void of just not knowing what's going to happen. You you got some information coming in about being threatened. There are some things you still don't know about, but you also know some stuff that's really happening. And, but if you're in a space of just not knowing, like waiting for Mm -hmm. a job interview or, you know, whatever the thing is that you're, you you, you want time to pass quickly and you also don't want it to, Um, you know, or whatever it is. Um, Being able to get to, to, put your body in a space of being put yourself in your body enough to be able to um just wait to hear or see wait for input mm. just wait just wait and see what shows up in the same way that you would if you were i don't know sitting in a park somewhere and didn't have anywhere to be and had 15 minutes to kill before you needed to be somewhere and you'd already set an alarm on your phone so you didn't even need to watch the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just watch and you wait to see what shows up. You know, you watch a bird and then you watch the guy walking his dog and then you hear the two people talking and you just watch for for, for to see what comes in. And, and that's um, when you can get yourself in that kind of state, in not knowing then you can respond with greater ease for one thing Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: won't be reacting you will be taking it Mm -hmm. in and then making a decision about what you're going to do with the what's going on um and it also also allows for much deeper listening Mm. because if you're in that space of I'm going to see what happens. (laughs) Then, then you can take in what somebody's saying and really hear them rather than being thinking, thinking of the next thing you want to say or thinking, you know what they're talking about or wanting to, you know, thinking, thinking, you know how they're feeling about something or thinking about something that happened to you that was similar to what happened to them. And then you're going to, you know, or whatever any of that is, you can just, take it in have a, and then be reflective about it and then be able to 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 say wow that sucks <laughs> or, <laughs> or or say more about that you want a cup of tea <laughs>
0: you
1: know and yeah. and be able to continue to I'll, to take it in in a way that that um, cuz a huge part of a huge part of our culture is that people want to be heard and they want to be listened to. And, and we're really good at, um, you know, the springtime energy of popping up out of the ground, the stuff that allows dandelions to like grow out of concrete, you know, we're good at that. And it's also, you know, what makes everything like this? You know? And, <laughs> and, you know, and we're good at, we're good at the, the high summer of, of, of play and, and interaction and, you know, whatever, and somewhere between those two is where you get that whole football football mentality of you know competition and whatever, and back and forth. But as a culture, we we at least the American culture, in my opinion, Janice speaking at the moment, <laughs> um, the, the our ability to savor things, our ability to go into late summer and savor things, and really really value stuff. And then to be able to move into fall and what's important and what we can let go of and what we, you know, and what jewels we get to keep, you know, what's a value that we get to keep. And then those two things prepare us to be able to sit in not knowing of winter, to be able to do that deep bulb in the bottom of the ground, Mm -hmm. building up potential energy to be able to then rise up again in the springtime and have at it. We don't do that part so well. We don't do this... (laughs) We don't do that slide, that slide down so well. And one of my favorite things to do this time of year is when I'm invited to a holiday party is I will go and, excuse me, I will go and um, be at the party and talk to people and whatever. And then I'll eventually settle somewhere and I'll let my body go into that sort of listening space, that kind of winter and that doesn't mean I don't tell funny stories, and that doesn't mean I don't. But it's more a funny story t- told around a fire, a, a campfire, rather than a funny story yelled across the room at a, at a Fourth of July party. Right? There's a different, right, different timbre to that. And and I and it makes it less exhausting for me to be at the party. So it's sort of self-serving to begin with, but it's also really entertaining to kind of watch it out, see how many people come over and sit by me. Like, it's so peaceful over here. You know? <laughs> And it's just because I'm, to some degree, being lazy and not wanting to put all that effort in. But at the same time, it's aligning with the season. It's aligning with with this with this time of year in the northern hemisphere. Obviously, it's a different conversation when you're in the southern hemisphere. But
0: yeah, I I love the idea of the the metaphor of the seasons through which we act different ways. Do you think that 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 same metaphor can apply to like daily conversations. Is there like a cycle in conversations that can be the metaphor? Oh, okay. So <laughs> now you're, a- now you're asking a five element acupuncturist to talk to you about yes. season.
1: This is a whole nother conversation. What time? Right. I do actually have to go. I do actually have to go see patients at some point in my life. All right. It's two <laughs> o'clock. five. All right. Um, but. Um, yes. Is the short answer. Yes. Um, the, I mean the, the, when I say five element paradigm or five, five seasons or you know, the learning platform that I'm building with folks, um, the f- five seasons learning and people are like, there, there's only four seasons. Janice, I'm like, well, no, <laughs> there's, there's, there's what, there's what I just walked you through. There's winter, mm-hmm. there's spring, there's high summer, there's late summer. And then there's fall. Cause there's a very big difference between late summer when like the tomatoes are splitting on the vine and everything is super lush and, heavy and, you know, ripe, ripe, and fall, where they've fallen off, they're rotting on the ground, the plants are dying back in, you know, the roots are, you know, the bulbs are pulling everything back in so they can build up energy, you know, it's very different, so there's five, and um, those cycles are what, um, it can be applied to, well, they are applied to um, organ systems and emotions and times of day and times of year and, um, interactions. And uh, it's an overlay that works really well in a lot of different structures. Um, I'm actually right now creating a course called the five elements of creative or the five seasons of creativity, um, for the platform. Um, and, it's a generative cycle. I mean, it's the bulb in the ground. It's the shoot that comes up. It's the flower. It's the seeds that are produced. It's the dying back. It's the bulb in the ground. It's the, it's that cycle and we're all doing it. Right. And we're all living it through the, through the, I mean, we're all, we've spent centuries pretending that we're trying to tame nature when we're part of it.
0: (laughs) It's so true. True.
1: It's like, it's like, it's like a bear saying, okay, now you guys are going to do what I tell you. Yeah, (laughs) And not just because I can eat your face, but because I said so. And I made this whole thing. Now look on the wall of my cave. I've figured this whole thing out. This is how we're working. Now we're going to build everything like this, you know, and the, you know, and the birds are going, I can't build anything like that. I can't pick up a tree. What are you talking about? You know? Um, And so it's just, it's, it's preposterous. And so, so a lot of, you know, a lot of the work that I do, a lot of the things I'm passionate about are getting people back into that thing of, you know, having the holiday party where everybody is, is letting themselves slow down. And like, one do I want to think? Okay, here. on Yeah. Venture capitalists listening. I have so many ideas for things, but this one I really think needs to happen. Um, I think that there should be Yen centers around the, around the country. Yen being the opposite of yang, or not the partner to yang. The, the two ways you describe the movement of the oneness. Anyway, um, where you go in and there's saltwater there salt pools and there's meditation and there's martial arts and qigong and yoga and everything is quiet. No clanking of machines. No, I mean yes. If you want to go to a gym and do that, great. But no clanking of machines. No loud music playing. Everybody just comes in and they still get exercise, and they still move their bodies, and they still. But they also fill up on quiet, Hmm. and then they go. And then they go back out into the world. And how would that change things? Big on the saltwater pools. Love a saltwater
0: pool.
1: Um, But. But that that be that, you know, half the thing, I I think half the reason people buy gym memberships and never go is because they're already exhausted and they're like, I just don't want to go into that den of activity. I just don't have it in me, you know, where it's like, I need to go float in a saltwater pool. Um, I need to go quietly, you know, do whatever was, you know.
0: Yeah. Those isolation tanks do wonders. Yeah. You know this, I, right?
1: They're allowed in there too. All of it. You know, it's just quiet, quiet spaces, you know, dark rooms where people just go sit in the dark. Yeah. How do you get, how do you get okay with not knowing? Go sit in the dark. The thing that I, mm. I miss many things I about like being a stage manager. I do not miss <laughs> other things, but I miss many things about being a stage manager. And the one that, one of the things I miss the most is at the end of a show, preferably the end of the run of a show, but just on a, any given night of having closed down the theater, everybody's left. I walk in t- onto the main stage. I look out. I take the ghost light. I turn off all the other lights. And for just a minute, I stand there on the lip of the orchestra pit and ab- I cannot see my hand when it's here. <laughs> and when I do that, everything would just drop off of me all of the weight of the job and everything would just fall off my back. And then I'd turn on the ghost light, which is a single light bulb on a pole that is traditionally set in the middle of a stage. The practical being anybody wanders in here, they're not going to fall in the orchestra pit and sue us. Mm. The <clears throat> the mythical piece of it being that so much energy gets put into creating characters on stage that that stays and that 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 haunts the space mm. and and so this allows them. This allows them to relax and recede, and, and whatever, and set for the next day. Make space for the characters the next day. Um, but that's. But that in itself, just standing in the dark, that kind of dark, because it's hard to find that kind of dark on the planet anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and there's some place in Europe that has created a dark space like that scientifically created a dark space like done readings and everything and they have a wait list of like years and they're charging gajillions of dollars for people to go in and be in the dark anyway i'm bouncing all over the place but welcome to talking to me
0: (laughs) i love it i love it it's i wouldn't have it any other way it's it's fascinating to see the way in which the connections are made and you know i i think it I love the idea of the esoteric, like the ghost light and the magic that happens on stage and the darkness. And when I think about darkness, I I think about growing up in a world where, you know, a lot of people have a lot of problems. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of non-linears find themselves growing up in chaos and chaos is kind of dark. Like you don't know what's happening around you, but. At a young age, your relationship with chaos has a transformative pathway for you to follow for later in life, and you, I think that's why you embrace it later in life. You're like, "Oh, this is home," you know? Yeah, it's dark. It's kind of scary. I don't know if what is that a bird or a bear. I don't know, but it's just real peaceful right here, you know? And most people yeah. are like, "What are you doing over there?" You're like, "Come on over." They're like, "I am staying the hell. Yeah. I don't want to be around you. You are a weirdo. Yeah. I don't want to be around you." You know? You're like, "Why? Yeah. It's beautiful over here. Come on in." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, after after, you know, when I say about my stage management career, yeah. my understanding my understanding of chaos and fatigue is so much deeper and wider than mm. anybody who wasn't in the military, then I can't explain it to you. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's true. I mean, I I was actually <laughs> everywhere I go, I'm a little bit like the niece and the monsters. Because even, even even in that's the non even in the nonlinear community of the of the octopus movement of which we are both a part, um, I, I, I had a I had a completely lucky childhood. I mean, I had some I had some. There were some events that then I had to deal with later, but they were all external forces outside of my house. Um, and generally speaking, I and and there was no understanding that I was different. I was just. You know You're that's too. just Janice. Yeah, that's just yeah. Janice over, over so there cute. being herself. You know, <laughs> and 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 so in some ways I feel sort of you know like I should apologize for for not for not having more more you know dark scary chaotic things to talk about from that period of my life. Um, and I do think that um, I do think that people. Well, first of all, I'd like to say. Have you ever met a linear two-year-old?
0: Nope.
1: I think linearity is an overlay. Mm -hmm. And I think people get comfortable with it because they don't, because it provides security. It provides safety. It provides predictability. But linearity is an overlay.
0: Yeah. None
1: of us show up. None of us show up you know, making spreadsheets. Don't get me wrong. I love a pretty spreadsheet, but, but don't in the same way that I like a nice, smooth marble run, but Mm. anyway, (laughs) moving on. Um, But we don't start buying into, I mean, even kids that like organize and, and lay out all their toys in a particular order. It's, I say. From my observations, granted, I'm not looking at the whole human race, um, that it's about the beauty of it. It's not about the, it's not about the, the control or mm. the detail or the, I mean, maybe the detail if the detail is beautiful, but I think it's about the, I think any of those impulses start off about the beauty of it. And then they become an overlay for how to fit in or mm. control or. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a stage manager, I was a little nutty. I mean, I was, first of all, I got into, I got in, I got into it. That's another conversation. I'm not going to tell you that story, but I got mm-hmm. into stage management purely by accident. i was sort of kidnapped into it and um, so I was constantly in fear that somebody was going to figure out that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and um and so all of everything became very tight like like all my forms were like gorgeous and really tight and all the information had to be just so because oh my god, you know, what if somebody figures it out? And um and now I, I you know, I love a pretty spreadsheet, but I like it because I because my goal is now, as I, when I used to, when I was the director of clinical education at the university, I used to say to the provost, I don't want to control anything. What I want to do is create a really per- pretty marble run that I set the marble at the top at the beginning and I go read a book or watch a movie or hang out with a friend or have a good lunch and I come back and it's at the bottom. And I am perfectly willing to sand pieces of the, <laughs> the marble run or paint it a different color because it'll be more aesthetically pleasing or change the route because it makes more sense for somebody. But really, honestly, I don't want to watch the marble all the way down to the bottom okay. of the run. I want to set up the run and let it be beautiful and leave. Which is the same thing if you yeah. look at like paperwork I created as a stage manager and paperwork I create now. You wouldn't see a whole lot of difference, but it's such a different animal. <laughs> Which goes back to, you've never met a linear two, or, two or three year old. It's when you allow yourself that, that freedom of. Being the being the way you came in. Then. Then it's a completely different. A different conversation. It may look exactly the same. But the experience of it. The story. The c- circle is so much bigger. Yeah. How's that, wrap it? How's that for wrapping it all together?
0: I like it. I like it. It's. Yeah. The illusion of control. You know, like I know some people that like I got to put all my cups, the handles have to be this way. Because and it's great. He... <laughs> it's so confining. Like, I can't, like, my, my wife is for like... For you? Straight... For me?
1: I'm for like, you. Ah,
0: it's beautiful. It. it may very well be beautiful for her. <laughs> she loves every part of it. And I try to, I try, yeah. I, I, I see the beauty in it. But for me, it's like, I'll go move it just a little bit and see if she notices. And she always does. Okay. What are you doing? I had a, a 45 degree angle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so... So, so, <laughs> and I love it. That's a well, little weird. Like, I love doing it, I know, it's but so it's bad. still the guy. But so, it, there's a little bit more control than the beauty in there, right? There's <laughs> sure. a little bit more need for security or, or, well or, or feeling like it needs to be that it's safer to have it all
0: like that. That's a good word for it. I think safe is, is but,
1: why you know, how do you, how do you lead the conversation towards beauty is the question. Mm. Ah, see, something just changed in your body. What happened?
0: I think that that's the reason why I'm so attracted to her. Is it's a different shade of beauty that I'm not used to, and I don't understand, and I'm I'm mesmerized and uh, thankful for it. It's mysterious to me, you know. Like how? Oh, is it that? Is it that? And then all these questions come up. Thank you for that. That's, mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: What changed in your <laughs> What changed in your body? Because something changed when you sighed.
0: Like a like a a slight dizziness that moved from my head to my toes. Like, hmm, what is that? You know, and it's like a maybe that's the sense of beauty or sense of wonder that moves through me when I think about my wife moving a cup, which may be my wife, which may be our relationship, which may be my daughter. <laughs> you know, it might be all of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or may
0: just just maybe more space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. That very well could be. It's the it's the miracle that allows you to see beauty in the shifting of a forty five degree handle on a cup. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> That's so. I great. know, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you're good at what you do. You see, you can see the unseen things. You just did it for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I will never be bored. Mm-mm. Does it ever get exhausting, though? <laughs>
1: Um. Not if I'm doing it right. I mm-hmm. was just saying to a patient. was just saying to a patient last night. Um, that. Um, because he's starting to lead these groups uh, in uh, these. Um, refugee groups and the people working with them and conversations and, and he loves doing it. Um, and he's asking. He, he actually sort of comes to me as a coach more than a patient, but I put needles in him anyway because it helps me <laughs> things. Um, and. Um, I, uh, I, but I was saying, he's, he's like, but I was exhausted afterwards. And I'm like, ah, that's because you were only doing this. I said, see if you can't figure out a way that you do this and you're not taking anything from anybody else. What you're doing is you're creating the third thing in the middle. You know, what's the thing? If there's two people in the room, there's three relationships, mm. right? One with the one with yourself, one with myself and the All one with we each other. have in the middle. Right. And so if you create it, so it's doing this, then you're both fed. And so if I'm doing it right, then like yesterday, I didn't get, I got terrible sleep the night before. And um, I woke up super groggy and whatever, and I biked to work and I got ready for work and the biking helped a little bit. Um, But by the time I came, got ready to go home last night. I felt 10 times better than I did when I started. So no, it's not exhausting if I do it right. If I'm getting exhausted then I, then then it's a sign. It's a signal to me that I'm that I'm not I'm not walking my talk. I'm not doing my thing.
0: It's an interesting it's an interesting point of view that you could probably most people could probably take and use in their life. Like it should be fulfilling as much as it is giving i don't think that came out right
1: no well i mean it comes <laughs> back to it, it comes back to life is too short not to be having a good time yeah and and i mean the two things i've said in every job interview i've ever had since i applied to work at my first job at some place in the mall when i was in high school is life is too short not to be having a good time and if i probably didn't say this one then i think i saved this one later when i was an adult but if the process if the process of getting there is not as rewarding as the final product then i haven't done my job
0: Mm.
1: and particularly as a stage manager that was true because honest to god that is way too much work to only be hanging it on opening night
0: yeah that that's you know that, that uh, are you okay on time do you have a time for another couple questions uh let me it's, look at the calendar, I've already calendar because an an it tells me oh I know.
1: yeah we have like like okay. 20 minutes let me just make okay. sure my calendar isn't yelling yeah, at me Hold yeah on. <laughs> because
0: you know no i'm good i do i'm good so here's something good. that comes to mind that i've that when you talk about the job interview the, the the stage management and something that i've seen recently happening in our world is this i this process of verbing nouns and so you know if you look at a person place or thing it's kind of becoming a process like we like google used to be a, it's a thing but it's also now you google something and it seems to me when we look at our lives, instead of looking at George or Janice as a person, you can look at them mm-hmm. as a process. And I think it really helps you have okay. a lot more leniency in who you are, what you're doing, who you're becoming, who you were. What's your take on, on this looking at nouns as verbs or verbing nouns, especially in our own life?
1: Okay. So clearly you have psychically listened in on conversations around on my kitchen table. Um, <laughs> we're we're a very the three of us are a very um we're logophiles we're lovers of words and um and um so we have discussions about how they're used a lot and how they're not used and how mm-hmm. they how language morphs and how you know and should we let it morph and that's ridiculous because it was better when it was before and <laughs> uh, yeah
0: lots of
1: lot, lots of opinions and yeah. we all change opinions depending on you know the moment, but, um, uh, I mean, I think, well, for example, this whole five element paradigm is actually a snapshot, like a millisecond of a millisecond of a millisecond snapshot of the movement of yin and yang, which is a millisecond of a millisecond of a millisecond snapshot of the movement of the oneness and it's just different it's just ways to describe the oneness everything is just ways to describe the oneness in that in that paradigm right and so sure i'm 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 out here janissing the world because <laughs> because because all you're getting is this hour and 20 minutes of me yeah. that will be different in a minute after you know 60 and five a second after I turn off my camera. And and we're constantly in motion. And that whole thing of you know your electrons m- m- replenish themselves every seven days, and all our cells are I don't remember the number amount of time that your cells are all new. And so we're all we're always changing. And and to some degree, who we are and what we're doing is an idea, yeah, um, or a habit that's working for us or not. Um, and the day the, what really made that particular concept sink in for me was I had a colleague years ago who had a patient, uh, an acupuncture colleague who had a patient who had multiple personalities, and that patient would come in, and depending on which personality was in charge, their body would change. Their breasts would be more more prominent, or they would recede. Their um, one personality had an allergy to strawberries. The other one didn't. Um, just one of them was pre-diabetic. One of them wasn't. And we're talking about, like, particularly with the pre-diabetes, we're talking about in, something on a cellular level shifting when that personality got in charge. And that's when I was like, "Oh, this is all an idea. <laughs> this, this is, is all. Mind. We're we are all just making this up as we go along." Um, yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. We're all all verbing it. Um, And, and, well, okay. How far do I want to go down this rabbit hole? Um, It brings to mind two stories. One, um, did you ever watch Deep Space Nine? I have, yeah. Okay, you know the character Odo?
0: Was he the Ferengi?
1: No, he's the guy that, that dissolves into a
0: puddle. Okay. Yep, yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. And he goes back to his home planet and he just pours himself into the ocean of his planet. And then he pours himself back out into a bucket and goes back to the, to start to the, his role right at the, at the space station. Um, all right. Take that idea. Then take a conversation I had with my son when he was like two or three years old, we had gone to the science foundation uh, or, or the science museum here in Baltimore and, um, And they were doing, in their big IMAX theater, they were doing a thing on dark matter. And he really wanted to go see it. And I said, I'm not going to understand it. You were what, two, three years old? You were really not gonna get this. And he's like, no, no, I wanna go, I wanna go, yeah. Fine. So we go in and we watch the whole thing on dark matter. We see the rest of the museum, blah, blah, blah. We We get in the car, we're driving home. He's in his little car seat in the back. It's all quiet. And then he says, I think I figured it out. And I said, okay. Now, bear in mind, he's being raised by an acupuncturist, so he has weird language anyway. And he says, I think that dark matter is the chi of all the plants and the animals and the people that's not being used right now. And And when you need... When a new person's born, a drop comes down and animates them. But we... Otherwise, it's just up there helping hold the universe together.
0: I think he does have it figured out. You
1: think? <laughs> um, and no, um And, um so, back to this thing of us doing things, right? We're really just, we're really just um, ice cubes and water. I mean, we really are just the oneness solidified into a this shape. And then I will desolidify into this shape at some point. And, and I don't know, I mean, I, I don't have a deep understanding of past lives and other experiences like that. Um, however, you know, maybe, maybe running with this theory, um, or this hypothesis, really, it's not a theory, of um, maybe Those people get more of that same drop More of that original drop Than Somebody who gets like a completely different Drop that you know Doesn't remember anything maybe they get Some of the drop that says oh yeah I Used to be you know right Catherine Catherine the great or whatever you know um, Who knows I don't know Anyway so that's the answer <laughs> That's the answer To your, to your- you're a very short question yeah this is the yeah okay yeah you, you yeah i i you let me run off leash and here
0: yeah here. that's how it's supposed to be I, I love the idea of ice cubes in the water because it, sometimes it does seem to me as i'm moving through my life like the the rough edges of of needing to be right or the the jagged edges of the sharpness to my ideas of they're kind of being smoothed out. And it's like, yeah, I could totally see myself in that person. Or, you know what? They probably do that because they had a bad day or, you know what? I do that. Like, it's interesting to see yourself kind of being let out into the rest of the world like that. It's kind of wonderful, really. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Also (laughs) makes things a lot less lonely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big part of, it seems to me that's a big part Or perhaps that's one of the underlying mechanisms of so much anger or distrust in the world. Is just fear. Fear. Yeah. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. What is the relationship between loneliness and fear? (laughs) You can probably wrap that up in about a minute, right? Yeah, no problem. I got this. Sit down. I'll take care of it. Um,
1: it's well, I mean, okay. Back to the medicine that I, the corner of the, the corner of the medicine that I practice. Um, there's a strong connection between what we call the heart kidney access
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and the heart is the center of all of who you are. And, um, in the poetry of the medicine, the shin spirit descends into the heart and then it's refracted into all the other organs and parts of you by, um, like, like light through a stained glass Mm -hmm. window. Um, and The the emotions associated with the heart are joy and sadness and loneliness. Um, Sadness, not grief. Grief is another ball of wax, but sadness, loneliness. Um, And the kidney is associated, and the space between your two kidneys is associated with um, your Jing, or what you came in with, your DNA, your imprint. Um, It's said that, your lower dantien, which is about a hand's width below your belly button and halfway between your hip bones and halfway between the front of you and the back of you is it's your lower energy center. And and some say that it's where the first cell divides that grows into who you are. Um, but there's a strong connection between there and your heart, right? Cause those are the things that make you, you. You can be brain dead and still be alive but you cannot be heart dead and still be alive. Mm. And all of the rest of this is so that your heart can move around and experience the world. Your eyes are here so your heart can see the world. Your hands are here so that your heart can touch the world, etc. cetera. Um, but that heart-kidney axis is really important. And the emotions associated with the kidneys are fear and courage. And so those two balance each other in a way that allows us to keep our center. And that connection can be broken with sudden divorce or heartbreak or trauma or, and so reestablishing that heart kidney axis allows us to manage fear and courage and joy and sadness in a balanced way. Now from an elemental standpoint, what you're thinking about is how fire, how, how fire can be contained by running water around it. So the heart being, associated with fire, the kidneys being associated with water. And so it creates containment The that, that courage. And even that fear to some degree creates containment so that your joy doesn't go completely off the charts and you become manic and, and, um, and also your sadness. You, you, that courage helps you get through that sadness and contain that sadness in a way. Um, so that's how I, I mean, yeah, running running with the paradigms and the stories that I use to see the world. That's how that's how I think of those being being connected. So that yeah. wasn't that didn't take too long. I sort of I sort of get that in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating to think about your eyes being the way in which your heart sees the world, and your hands being the way in which your heart can touch the world. Like that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it is. I'll never be bored. Yeah. It's like watching poet. It's, like bo- it's like it's like uh I, I also say again back to acupuncture. Um, although it's to some degree true, it's actually is also true for the distance mind body stuff that I've developed. Um, but particularly with acupuncture, um, you know, people when people find out you're an acupuncturist, they always want to talk to you about the needles. <laughs> um and I always feel like somebody is saying, Oh, you're a poet. What's it like to sharpen pencils? <laughs> 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 ah, that's because, hilarious because the whole because each point well each point is described by a character right whether it's a japanese character or a, or a chinese character or a korean character each acupuncture point is described by a character which is an entire world an entire story about the point point. and so it's a lot like doing poetry on people hmm Asking the different stories and poetry, pieces of poetry to work together in a way that allows the whole thing to tell a better story.
0: I was just going to ask when you, you what the comment the poetry of the medicine was, but that if you can elaborate, like it does, it, it really weaves together the way in which one can heal someone if they can understand a poetic story about what the you know is it a tr- is it a Romeo and Juliet or is it a is it the hero's journey? You know, it seems. It, 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 is it, are the points tied, the blockages tied to different mythological structures like that or, or, or poetic stories? No, not,
1: not, not, mythology. Um, how to answer that question. There's a lot that needs to, um, well, it can be something as superficial as like the translation of a name. Like there's an upper point up here on your chest that everybody has one um, that some translations of the character into English, some translations of the character are um, spirit storehouse. My personal favorite translation of the character is by a woman named Deborah Katz in in her book of of points, uh, point descriptions, um, which is Pantry of Dreams. They are both they are both associated with that fire element with the heart but not just with the heart also with the small intestine also with the pericardium which protects the heart also with the with the sun jowl which is not in Western medicine except it kind of plays into the endocrine system and the polyvagal system anyway more stop moving on. Um, so it can be something as superficial as an understanding of the character or an understanding of the translation of the character or being able to language the character. It can be as multifaceted as understanding how the elephant, how the elements move, how the elephants move, how the elements move <laughs> in, um, and a and where things are getting stuck for that person. So how do you how do you open that up? How do you how do you connect the pieces that so that so that the flow continues to happen? Mm. Because if you think about a piece of poetry, it flows. Yeah. And it does it with the least amount of words. I mean even if it's an epic poem, it's telling you such a story that it's really should take you know, 12 volumes, and it's telling it to you in, you know, 50 pages or something, right? It's distilling things to just that, which is also why I'm always in search of the one needle treatment. So I can just go, pink, and then everything goes, because again, back to, they do all the work. I just make the suggestion, but, and there are points, and each point you can do by you can do it because it has a physical response. You can do it because it's going to clear heat from their system and thereby stop them from getting yellow snot and, you know, and high blood pressure or whatever. Right. You can do it because it affects the endocrine system. You can do it. You know, there's a lot of sort of Western ways you can draw analogies or you can do it because it's going to balance springtime and fall in them in a way that will allow them to not beat up on themselves as much. Or you can do it in a way that you're just going for that story that the point tells and you're reminding that version of life of that story mm. and lots of other I could rattle on. But it it it's... So that's what I mean when I say the poetry of the medicine is that it's it's always... There's a, there's a, it's that smooth flow of chi. I mean, poetry is not, even, even Billy Collins, who is one of my favorite poets, who is rather irreverent sometimes. It's still got a smooth flow to it, even when it suddenly surprises you about something.
0: Yeah, sometimes that's the, that's the real clincher when it has a smooth flow, but it still surprises you. You know, that's like that, that's a pretty wonderful harmony are awful yeah. in their true sense of the word, right?
1: <laughs> right, right. Awful. <laughs> yeah. <sighs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, uh, Thomas Hutchinson asks come in, Shout out, let me just say thank you to everybody for to Michelle, <laughs> thank you for everything. Uh, Thomas, thank you for everything. Um it's so wonderful to be part of the octopus community. And I'm so thankful to get everybody in here and, and start talking a little bit. Look at Thomas just kind of messing with us right here. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> idea. Why don't you guys talk about the belief system magic? Wrap that up. Thanks Thomas. <laughs> no <laughs> problem. Make, yeah. Michelle and Michelle makes some wonderful points too. Like, would we ever know the whole picture though? I feel we need to make peace with the fact that we'll never know it. Like this is why Michelle is so awesome. And if you read her, all her points are so erudited. Be talking to her yeah. soon. I'm, I'm hopeful. So, but, oh,
1: Michelle's, she's great. You, you'll enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I've enjoyed this, Doctor jenison and I've walked you right up to the 130 mark, and I'm really <laughs> thankful for your time. And I feel like <laughs> we just scratched was. the surface. It was all my conversations oh. with people have just blown by. So. Oh yeah. No, I no. We could go on for days, and you know there are other things that we could be doing too. So yeah. Well, before I let you go, where can people <laughs> find you? What do you have coming up, and what are you excited about?
1: Oh goodness. Um. You can find me at drjanuscampbell.com, dr Janice Janice spelled I C E not I S like Joplin. Um, <laughs> and the last uh, one, how do you
0: spell that again too? Campbell just
1: like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Campbell Campbell just like the soup. Um, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. Um, and um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, under Dr. Janice Campbell. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, under Janice F Campbell um and uh, if you're curious about the distance mind body integration stuff you can find that on my website both for individuals and also for groups um, I'm moving into doing things for for corporate groups to help to help set the space for people to be in like a week-long or weekend long you know, Workshop or something, and be able to cont- be able to pr- actually process the information, and and also be able to take real honest to goodness breaks um, between between ingesting all that. Um, and uh, so you can find me online in those places. Things I'm excited about. Well, I'm excited about that. I'm ex- excited about the expansion of my distance mind body integration work, and I'm also excited about the official launching of FiveSeasonsLearning.com which will be in January, we've released some courses to begin with, but there's going to be uh, continuing education courses for starting with acupuncturists and herbalists and hopefully expanding to other modalities, as well as community classes, Um, all in some way influenced by this idea of the five seasons and how we move in them and how they apply to um, the way we live our lives and us us being part of nature. Um, So I'm excited about that too. I think it's going to be cool. And yeah. I'm sure there are other, I'm sure there are other things I have. Oh, I'm writing a book and there's some other things, but go to Dr. Janice. I, I had to make the Dr. com, ja, website to like cover all my stuff. It would, it saves time when having conversations with people. I'm like, go look at that. And then tell me what you want to talk to me about. Um, <laughs> which by the way, most of which you got from George's introduction of me, he like did this amazing <laughs> distillation of everything on my website. Anyway. That's what I'm excited about. And and I'm also very excited about um, the Octopus Movement. I'm too. I'm on the board for uh, the American nonprofit arm of the Octopus Movement. And it's full of great people. And we're going to do some wonderful things. So
0: stay tuned. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, go down to the show notes. Check it out. Reach out to Dr. Janice. Thank you for everyone who played along. And if you find yourself intrigued just go down and check out the show notes check out all the links down there and hang on dr janice i'll talk to you briefly afterwards but to everyone that was out there listening i hope you have a beautiful day i hope you realize that there's order and chaos and that the world is conspiring to help you if you just take a moment to recognize that's all we got for today ladies and gentlemen aloha bye aloha everyone